Bismillah, alhamdulillah, you're watching Way of the Muslim, Defining the Muslim's Character. I'm your host, Yusuf Estes, and for the next few minutes, we'd like to talk on the subject of what Muslims should do when they find themselves in predicaments or situations that are coming up today, things that we hear people say and do, and how should we as Muslims respond. We're going to be referring to the teachings of Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him, referred to as hadiths, or narrations, and then what he says will translate more or less to the English language, keeping it in simple terms, and hopefully it will help us in understanding and developing our Muslim character. The first uh, hadith I'd like to mention is one where a man is actually accusing another person of going to go to hell. He says, by Allah, this man is swearing, the Prophet is telling this story, he says, by Allah I swear that Allah is not going to forgive this person, so-and-so. Whereas Allah the Most High says, Who is it that swears by me that I'm not going to forgive so-and-so? I have forgiven so-and-so and have rendered your actions in vain. Well, now immediately this tells us that we should be very careful that when we start to speak about anything, especially when we swear by Allah, that what we're saying is accurate. It's true. And we shouldn't assume the worst about Allah. We should assume the best about Allah. One of the things about Allah is His, His nature of what we call Rahmah, or His graciousness, His mercy. Allah's mercy prevails over all things. There's very, very little that Allah is going to not forgive. As a matter of fact, He tells you in the Quran what it is. It's shirk and everything that goes along with it. Allah said more or less in the Quran that He does not forgive shirk, but anything less than this He can forgive. So when a person observes other people out here doing X and Y and Z, if it's not shirk, then they better be careful by saying that Allah is not going to forgive them. Of course, this brings us to another question here. What is shirk? And that is to associate partners with Allah in worship. This is something real important in Islam. There is no God beside Allah. And we can't make any images or idols or anything to worship as partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God Almighty. And so when this person is stating, I swear Allah is not going to give this, forgive this person, by what authority is he saying these things? Because in fact Allah forgives him, but he doesn't forgive this man. Now, Suppose a man is really good and he goes through the whole life doing good deeds and he's calling others to do good deeds. He finds somebody who doesn't listen to him, who doesn't do these good deeds he wants him to do. He said, oh, you keep doing this evil, you're doing these bad things, so I swear by Allah you're going to go to hell for that. So on the day of judgment, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has got the right and he will ask him, who is the person saying that I can't forgive somebody? Because in fact it is Allah who forgives and forgives and forgives. And it's not up to me to say this. Because in fact, that means that if a person says this, he's associating himself with Allah by saying, Allah will do this or won't do that. And who are we to say what Allah will do and not do? This is very important. We could go more on that subject, but we've got another topic coming up here, and I wanted to deal with this too, because it's another situation that we see very regularly these days. And uh, it was said that the Prophet ﷺ stood amongst his companions to deliver his speech. And from his speech, 
was that he said, Indeed, it is about to occur that I will be called and I will respond. What this means is that the prophet is saying that it's about to happen that I'm going to die. He'll be called to, uh, to Allah and that he will respond to that. He says, Then after me there will be rulers over you who say what they have knowledge of and they act upon what they know. Obedience to them is obedience to me. And you remain like that for a time. But then there will be rulers over you after these people who will say what they do not have knowledge of. So whoever is sincere to them or assists them or strengthens them, then they are destroyed and they have caused destruction. He continues by giving us an order in here. Accompany them with your bodies and differ with them by your actions and bear witness for the doer of good from them that he's a good de-doer <laughs> and for the one who does evil that in fact he is a doer of evil. For a better understanding of this, we should realize the Quran has taught us a very valuable lesson and the Prophet ﷺ is explaining this lesson in details. Allah tells us in the Quran, for the believers, you have to obey Allah. Ati Allah. Wa ati Rasul. Which means that we also have to obey His Messenger. One of the verses in the Quran clearly states, obey the Messenger. So that you understand obedience to the Messenger is, in fact, obedience to Allah. Now, there's a famous hadith which is misquoted very often by folks today when they come up to each other and they say, Adina Nasiha, that our way of Islam is advice. So, brother, I have to advise you. And they will begin by telling you your beard is too short or that your pants are too long or that your prayers are not acceptable, etc., etc. They're giving you what they're saying is Nasiha. But in this hadith, what we're finding out from this that, in fact, this is not correct because they didn't read the whole Hadith. Because the people asked the Prophet ﷺ when they said, Adina Nasiha, they said, to who? He said, to Allah and to His Messenger and to those in authority over you and then to the general public. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about it. How do you give, if you translate the word Nasiha as advice, how do you give advice to Allah? What will you advise Allah in? Billah. This doesn't make any sense. And how will you advise the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, when he is the one to bring the message to us? We don't have any right to speak to him on that. And then, what about the rulers? In most cases, you or I don't have access to those who are in authority over us. And then certainly, if you said for all the people in general, I can only give advice to my own immediate family and the people I know except through programs like this. But still, what does this word mean, Nasiha? It's better understood by going to the scholars of the Arabic language and asking them, which is what I did. And they said, actually, this is talking about a form of very deep sincerity. Very deep sincerity. Being loyal and obedient and in doing it in sincerity. To be sincere and loyal to a law and the same to his messenger, to those in authority over you, and to the general public. And this can be done by anybody, and it makes sense.
Now I want to come back and look at this hadith again because we're learning here that the Prophet ﷺ is saying that I'm soon to die. He's telling his companions he's preparing for his death, which is eminent for all of us. It's going to happen. But now here he's saying that in, specifically there are going to be people after me who have knowledge and they're going to be rulers over you. And when you follow them, because they're acting on this knowledge that they have of Islam, then you're the, doing the same as if you were following me. Obedience to these people is the same as if you were obeying me. He says, then there are going to be others after that, though. After a period of time, you're going to find others who are going to come, be rulers over you, but they're not having the right knowledge. And they're acting on this lack of knowledge. And what's happening now is, if you obey them, if you assist them, and you strengthen them in what they're doing, then you're destroying yourself, and you're bringing about a form of destruction. But he does give us an order. And I want us to pay attention because it's not right to read part of a hadith and then leave off the rest of it. He tells you what to do in this case. You accompany them with your body. Stay with them physically. And then you differ with them by your actions showing the good way. By the character. That's what this program is about. For us to develop that good Muslim character. By understanding the Prophet ﷺ, what he wants us to do. He wants us in these times when we have these kind of problems to show the best possible character of the Muslim. Differ with them by your actions and bear witness of those that do good that that's good and then of those that are doing evil, show that to be evil by saying this is wrong. So what we're supposed to do is speak out in this case against these actions. Now, I realize that some of the brothers will refer to another hadith which says that if you see an evil, when you see something that's really horrible, then you have to do what? You have to change it by your hand if you can. Or change it by your tongue if you can't do the other. And if you can't change it by your tongue, then at least you have to hate it with all your heart and this is the lower or the least amount of faith. But this also has to be understood in conjunction with other hadiths, which we've just read. It's not permissible for any of us, especially non-scholars, to go out here and pick up a couple of hadiths or teachings of Muhammad and then try to invent the whole religion around that. Our scholars, and we pray for them all the time, regardless of their mistakes, are still the ones that are qualified. They're the ones that we should be turning to, to get this information. To understand that there's a whole lot more here than one or two Hadiths. And certainly when you read the rest of what we're going to be talking about in this program, you're going to realize that, in fact, this is correct. That we have to balance that. When do I change something by my hand? And what does that mean, change it by my hand? And he's told you right here, if you're accompanying them, then differ with them by your actions. Your actions... This is what you do. You show the right way. Then bear witness of those that do good. That's using your tongue. And say, this is good. And those that are doing evil say, no, this is evil. And that's it. That makes sense? Let's proceed forward. There's another hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said that the shaitan, the devil, has given up on those people who pray that they should worship him from the Arabian Peninsula. But, he seeks to provoke animosity between them. 
it's very obvious from this that the true worshipers of Allah, that the devil has given up trying to get them to worship him instead of Allah. But he's still going to try his best to make them have infighting and have this animosity. And this is exactly what we have seen over the years where the Muslims begin to fight amongst themselves and this is inspired by none other than the devil himself. So we, again, in developing our Muslim character, should learn how to work together. Even though some of the things are difficult, we'll go back to the first hadith we mentioned, and that's talking about what to do when you have rulers over you who are not having the right knowledge or acting on the right knowledge, but still, if they do good, verify that it's good from it. When they do evil, then mention that the same way. And be fair in our dealings. And we're going to come back for more of this in a few minutes. We're going to take a break. Stay right there. And we'll be back with more of Way of the Muslim defining the Muslim character. Bismillah, we're back. You're watching Way of the Muslim, defining the Muslim's character. We've been talking on some of the issues that face us every day and the advice given to us on how to deal with these problems by our Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 1400 years ago. Some of the hadith that we discussed dealt with the issues of those who would be rulers over us not having the knowledge of Islam, acting according to what they had, which would be against the right teachings. And then what should be our response? What we gained in knowledge from these hadith, or teachings of Muhammad Islam, is that we have to be steadfast, very much so, in doing what? And giving allegiance and obedience to those who are in authority in as much as they are doing what is right, but avoiding doing what they would order you to do, which is wrong. And this makes sense because the Quran teaches this even in specific cases, not to mention the general case. If you look to Surah Al-Luqman, for instance, chapter 31, when in the Quran, when you find that uh, the man who is having this wisdom from Allah and treating his son, and he's telling his son how to behave. And this is good advice because it says in here, you obey your parents... Except what? Except in the areas where they would have you worship other than Allah. To worship something you have no knowledge of. And that's the meaning here. It, it, you obey, but to what extent? I want to make real clear on this because after coming into Islam, I observed a lot of things, actions, difficulties, and the brotherhood as well of the Muslims. But I notice that there is this problem that when there's some authority, when the emir says something, immediately there are a few who want to go against that and say something different. Just because they don't like the emir. Never mind what the statement was. No, they just generalize and say, well, you know, he's not really on the right Islam, so therefore we're not going to even listen to this guy. And this is not correct. This is not the right way. Because we cannot contribute to a society that we abandon. We cannot benefit the people around us by taking what we have, which we assume to be correct, and then abandoning everybody, going away from everybody, leaving everybody, and then we're not helping. Even in the case where Aisha was talking, was talking about the Prophet ﷺ, in the one hadith we talked about, where the man came in 
wanted to speak to the Prophet. Yet she knew that this was a bad man and yet how polite was the Prophet ﷺ in dealing with this person. And afterwards she's asking, even though this is a really bad guy, you still gave him this this dignity, this honor, this respect, the polite treatment. And trying to figure out, you know, you yourself said it wasn't any good, so but <laughs> you still treat him good. Why? And so it shows that even though somebody is really in the wrong way, the bad way, we do not have the right to just cut them off, walk away from them, if we have something to benefit. If we can benefit them, then we have to try our best to provide this. If they take some good, then that's good. But if they refuse, well, that's their choice. But now there's another fine line here we don't want to cross either. We don't want to join them in what they're doing because the Prophet ﷺ made it clear in the other hadith, whoever strengthens them or supports them and gives credibility to what they're doing, then they're joining them. They're going to destroy themselves and destroy the deen as well. So all of this is leading us up to the conclusion that there's a balance. There's a real nice balance in Islam. When you see evil, of course we have to be against it. The Quran is replete with these types of admonitions to us to call the people to the right way and to forbid what is evil. This statement is repeated a number of times, especially if you read in Surah Al-Imran, chapter 3, verse 110. This is very close to the meaning when it says that you are the best of people raised up. Because you call the people to Al-Maruf and you forbid the Munkar. And you believe in Allah. But be careful that you pay close attention to this. And this is not the whole ayah. This is not the whole verse. Many people stop with that. But here first we need to define this meaning of Maruf and Munkar. Maruf in this case is anything good that calls to Allah. That brings us closer to La ilaha illallah. Muhammad Rasulullah. And evil is something which would take people away from that in this verse. The reason we say that is because the scholars have told us that in this case, Maruf and Munkar is dealing with something specific because the, the juxtaposition of the wording, when you see then it says, coming after these two actions. When we asked the scholars about that, they said this is specific for this ayah because it means if you're not willing to call the people to what is right and righteous and you're not willing to forbid those things which were evil and hated by Allah, then how can you say, I believe in Allah? But now let us continue with that ayah and look a little bit closer to that. Because it continues and it says, And if the people of the book had believed, it would have been better for them. Verily, from them are believers, but you'll find most of them are fasikun, those who are disobedient to Allah. I want to specifically mention that because I hear so many times today people saying that, you know, from the... Kitab, the people of the book are not the same today as they were back then. These are all kuffar and they are so and so infidels. This is not true. That is not the meaning. That is not what's in the Quran. And I think really and truly if we take time to think about this and look at it, we'll realize that to stay in balance with what Islam is teaching is clear. Whoever believes in Allah, that He is one without partners and they're trying their best to worship Him and obey Him, acting on what they know, 
Now, specifically, we've been talking about that in this program. Acting upon what they know to the best of their ability. It's up to Allah to be their judge. And it's not up to me or to you or anybody else to say that Allah is never going to forgive this person. We learned that from the first hadith we started with. And now let's take this one and see what we come up with. This is, by the way, on the authority of Abdullah ibn Masood, And he said, How will you be when you are covered by a trial in which the young grow up and the old become infirm and if anything of it is abandoned, it's said the sunnah has been abandoned. And it was said, when is this going to occur? And they're asking him. He says, it's going to be when your scholars pass away and the ignorant amongst you become many, when those who recite amongst you are many, but those who have understanding of the religion are few. When your leaders are many, but those who are trustworthy are few. When this world is sought with actions of the hereafter, and when knowledge is sought for other than the religion. The whole, this is not a hadith, by the way, this is a saying of one of the most trusted companions of Muhammad Wasallam. It's a teaching of one of the great teachers of Islam, who, of course, memorized the entire Quran and relates to us many of the hadith of the Prophet But he's telling us this not of his own volition. He's telling you very clear these are prophecies. And we find these mentioned in other books as well, but it's summed here very well. He's asking, what are you going to do during the time of this great fitna when it comes? And they're saying, oh, what, what, are we, what fitna are we talking about here? And he says it's going to occur when the scholars pass away. And that's strange because, you know, really in recent years I've seen some of the top scholars of Islam, wonderful teachers of Islam, the people who I look up to myself and they're dying. Several died all in the same year in 1999. But in any case, and it says, and the ignorant will be many. And we have so many people today ignorant of Islam. And I'm not talking about the people that are not Muslim. I'm talking about Muslims themselves having so much ignorance, speaking on what they don't know. And look how it continues. It says, and when those who recite, this is talking about the Quran. The people who recite the Quran are going to be many. And we do have that. By the way, we have millions, tens of millions of people living today on this earth, walking and breathing, who have memorized the whole Quran cover to cover. Every single harf, every word, every letter of the Quran, they can recite the whole thing for you. But, and look at what he says, but those who are doing this have very little understanding, except for a few except for a few who really understand what they're reciting. And is that true? Well, I'm not going to mention which countries, because I don't want to make anybody mad at us. But in fact, it's very true, specifically in some of the countries where they insist on memorize the Quran, memorize the Quran, but they don't take the trouble to go to the deep meanings and the beauty of the Quran. And this is something that's actually happened. It says that when your leaders are many, uh, well, there was only one leader of Islam at the time of Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And in successive rulers, as we heard in some of the other hadiths in this program earlier, there would be those who would be in the right way. It still was only one at a time. But then, as the Muslims began to divide up into different uh, continents, different nations, we find different leaders. Until today, we have so many Muslim countries with so many different leaders. Again, that's what it says right here. Leaders are many, but those that are trustworthy are few. And when this world is sought, with actions of the hereafter. Meaning here. Now, let me clarify that. Well, this is when somebody 
is going after the hereafter and at the same time using that as a way to finance themselves here. Again, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or say something, uh, just a general statement, but I found myself personally doing the dawah, going out and calling myself and my friends and people to Islam that if I use any type of financial gain out of this thing, then what's going to happen? It destroys it. It takes away the beauty and the barakah of Islam. So it's essential for those people, especially like in my position, to go out strictly for the sake of Allah and not hoping for any kind of material gain whatsoever. Not even mentioning something like this. Much less doing fundraising and all the rest of it for their projects. Because in that could be this thing where a person winds up doing what? They wind up looking for the material wealth and pulling something out of that. And that's a, a very good point. And then, telling us that knowledge is sought for other than religion. We spoke about that in one of our other programs on the subject of developing the Muslim character. That what happens is that sometimes people are trying to get knowledge just so they can do one-upmanship. My knowledge is better than your knowledge, but who has all knowledge? Allah Azim. Allah is having all the knowledge. He is Alim. And he tells us in the Quran, So you're not having any knowledge except what Allah gives you to start with. And how could I go into competition with somebody else of knowledge just to show them how much knowledge I have? And again, in another of our programs, we discuss more in detail, but I mentioned just this part of the Hadith of Muhammad, وسلم, when he spoke about a person who would be brought on the Day of Judgment and asked, what did you do with the favors of Allah in this life? And he will say, oh Allah, I learned your book and taught it. In other words, he's saying he's an alim and he had this knowledge and he was a great teacher. And then we told him, no, you did it just so the people would say that you were a great teacher or a great knowledgeable person, an alim. And you've gotten your reward. They said it. And then he would be dragged on his face into the hellfire. So from this we're understanding about keeping what we do, having a pure intention for Allah. To do what we do for the sake of Allah. I want to wind this particular one up by saying that it's only Allah who's the one going to guide us. And we need this guidance. We need Allah to open our hearts and our minds to these messages so that we can pull from this and we can make ourselves better Muslims and define our character so, so that these people, Muslim and non-Muslim, leaders and the common people alike, will realize this is the true Islam. And it's not going to come by just talking. It comes by our good actions and our good qualities. So let's make dua Allah give us this guidance to have this kind of understanding and these good qualities. Amin. And you've been watching The Way of the Muslim, Defining the Muslim Character. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.